Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So what I want to do here is relate these two Super Bowl teams to the Giants. And really what I'm talking about is looking at the roster construction of what it takes to get to this point of being a team that's Super Bowl caliber, a Super Bowl quality, or potential Super Bowl winner, and comparing it to where the Giants are and how they're building their team and sort of where their deficiencies are and where maybe they're heading in the right direction. I think it was a fun little exercise I did in my head, uh, and I have all these notes here written down. And and uh, obviously, when we do this exercise, it all starts with the quarterbacks, right? So these teams both have dynamite quarterbacks. We're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay? It's Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, okay? Patrick Mahomes is playing at a level right now that I think is the greatest level I've ever seen over the last three years. I mean, it's in, like, uh, the level of Tom Brady being at his pinnacle and Peyton Manning that year where he threw, like, what, 50-plus touchdown passes or whatever. Like, that's the level that Patrick Mahomes has been playing at now for the last three years, okay? And then Tom Brady, we know he's the GOAT overall, He's in his 10th Super Bowl, okay? So it starts there. If you don't have one of those two things, and we saw that from the the championship games in general, look at the roster construction of all four of those teams. Patrick Mahomes played against Josh Allen. Okay, Josh Allen basically was an MVP candidate this year. Dynamite. Grew into his own unbelievable year. The other one was Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, one is the MVP uh, in, in Aaron Rodgers. He's going to win it. And then there's Tom Brady. So... If you don't have that level of quarterback play, and I'm not even talking about top 10. You know, the Giants were able to do it for a while, you know, twice actually, with Eli Manning, you know, in the the top 10 range. I'm not sure the way the game has shifted at this point, if that's, like, you almost need to be in that top 10 range or have the perfect team around you. Like last year, Jimmy Garoppolo got in, right? Matt Ryan got in, but that year he was playing in the top five. Now, Eli was close in that. In 2011 season, he was in that top five. Uh, he was playing at that range. That, that, I believe, was his best season. 2007, there were a little more. Uh, that defense was better in 2007. The running game was better. It was a better all-around team around him. But the point is, they need Daniel Jones to either be to blow up like Josh Allen or flop terribly because there's no in-between. You need one of these top quarterbacks nowadays to get to this level. Now, maybe Tom Brady's not there necessarily in regards to, okay, is he a top five quarterback playing right now? Like with the way he's playing this year? Nah, probably not. He's probably in the top 10 range, but he has a good team around him and he's Tom Brady. So when he needs to step it up, when he needs to play big and play well in big spots and, and, and help, you know, mentally and all the leadership and intangibles that he can provide. Yes. You know, that, that helps. So, you need a stud, stud quarterback. We, we know that. that. This isn't groundbreaking stuff right there. And then what else are these, uh, these two, the two teams in the Super Bowl built on? Weapons, right? Weapons. I'm not talking running back, running game. We're talking about pass-catching weapons. Now, the Chiefs, they essentially only have, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. I mean, I, I always thought Sammy Watkins, he's okay. He's overrated. He's nothing special. Uh, you know, injuries kind of derailed him a little bit. There's Miko Hartman, nice little piece, never really blossomed. I mean, Byron Pringle, I mean, whatever. All these other guys are just pieces. Every Everyone has pieces like them. But Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey 
are absolute bona fide studs. Okay, so they have two ridiculous weapons. The Bucks, they have a t- they have Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, uh, Cameron Brayton, Rob Gronkowski, which is a pretty good tight end combination. So there's there's a, a lot of weapons for both these quarterbacks to work with, pass catching weapons. All right. So here we're looking at the Giants. We've got Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, and Golden Tate. The moral of the story here is you need some top-end weapons, okay? Like, yes, Saquon Barkley comes back. He could add to that mix in regards to pass catching, but that's not really his specialty either. You know I mean? He, he could catch the ball out of the backfield, but he's not going to be Alvin Kamara as a pass-catching weapon. He's not going to provide that part of the game. So the Giants need an Evan Ingram. You like the talent. He's done some good things over the years. Obviously, he had a bad year this year. Everyone's so down on him right now. The questions we'll get to in a few minutes. Some of them will relate to that. But, uh, you know, so adding a pass-catching weapon or two is vital for this Giants team. So right there, the the biggest difference. You could start right there. The Giants need their quarterback to play at a way higher level and need better pass-catching weapons. Now, the Giants do, and this is the interesting part, the running back position for these two teams in the Super Bowl, pedestrian, right? Doesn't mean they don't invest in it. Don't get me wrong. But you don't need a great running back. The Giants have one in Saquon. So, you know, the question is going to be, are you willing to commit the financial resources to that position moving forward? Right now, it, it's they have a lot invested to him in regards to he was a high draft pick, and he still, cost-wise, financially, is is on the higher end because he was drafted so high. But it's going to be about, in the future, is their roster construction best paying, a running, paying top high-end running back money? Because... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's on the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell, who's shot now, basically. He, he's total dust. He's done. He, he could barely play. Uh, and Williams. Those are the Chiefs running backs. Now, they invested a first-round pick in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but he's not getting paid massive money. And he hasn't played great this year. He got banged up, injured. So his impact has not been what some people thought. Uh, Leonard Fournette and Rojo. Ronald Jones for the Bucks. Clearly nothing special. Leonard Fournette is a pedestrian player at this point. Uh, he actually probably wouldn't even be having this opportunity if he did, wasn't a high pick uh, and had some success in the past. But they're fully invested in him and Ronald Jones at the moment. It's a pedestrian duo, to say the least. Now, offensive line, well, okay. So the Giants have better running back situation, assuming Saquon comes back, than both those teams. But then we go to offensive line, and both these teams are solid. Now, the Chiefs are interesting. We'll get to them in a second. But the Bucks, Tristan Wirfs, obviously, they took him. Uh, the Giants passed on him for Andrew Thomas. Didn't work out for the Giants this year. Uh, Tristan Wirfs played great. Right tackle, obviously, not left tackle. Uh, but they have, they have a pretty good offensive line now, the Bucks. They've built a good offensive line. They've invested heavily in it over the years. And... You're looking at it and you're saying, okay, we have the pro football focus has them as the fifth ranked offensive line. Fifth, the Bucks. The Chiefs at 11. But the Chiefs, by the way, the right side of their line is essentially not there. Mitchell Schwartz, who is their all pro, got injured, hasn't played much of the season. Uh, the doctor, Laurent Tarif, I forget one of his three names, um, he is benefiting mankind 
helping out with COVID this year. He opted out. Uh, now Eric Fisher, the Chiefs left tackles out. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much Patrick Mahomes could prop them up. The off- their offensive line has been average, a little above average, according to PFF, but not great. Now the Giants, PFF has created as the 31st ranked offensive line this year. Again, back there at the bottom. Andrew Thomas had it, by the way. It said the blurb written up when I looked at what their ranking was. 57 pressures, 14 more than any other player. That's crazy. Tristan Wirfs, like the other end of the spectrum. Interesting point of the Chiefs, by the way. Mitchell Swartz is not playing. Who do they have filling in at right tackle? Mike Remmers. Mike Remmers, who was the Giants' starting right tackle last year. So uh, that's an obvious area where the Giants have to upgrade as well. So they need their quarterback to play infinitely better. They need more weapons, and they need to upgrade their offensive line or their offensive line to play much better. That's a lot. And we're just talking offensively. Now, it's an offensive game. The Giants' general manager might not fully believe it. He might think you need to run the ball, but it's a passing league. Look at these teams. Look at the construction of them. There are different paths to success, but this is the most likely path to success now. Weapons, quarterback, you know, offensive line that can protect a little bit, and score points. Because these teams' offensive efficiency, the Chiefs, second. Bucks, fifth. Giants, 31st. Defensive efficiency, Bucks, ninth. Chiefs, 20th. Giants are actually, were actually eighth, I believe. So they had the better defense in these teams, but according to efficiency, which is probably the best number to go by. And, we're, and they're, they're what? Four and 12? No, no. Sorry, six and 10? They went six and 10. So they went six and 10 with a, a quality defense and a terrible offense. These teams went, what? The Chiefs were 14 and two, technically. Because they lost, the Bucks were eleven and five or whatever, uh, and it was because primarily their offense. They're built around their offense. Now, defensively, when I look at these rosters, I see all right. They they both pass rush have like a dominant pass rusher or area where they pass rush. Now they do it a little differently. One has Chris Jones in the middle, and Chris Jones for the Chiefs is basically almost graded as high as a pass rusher as Aaron Donald. So that tells you what he's like in the middle. He's their dominant pass rusher. Frank Clark on the edge and a bunch of other guys, like nothing special. The Bucs, meanwhile, they have two serious edge rushers in JPP and Shaq Barrett. That's where they get their pass rush. They also have a good line. They have Vita Vea, uh, Damakon Sue. I mean, you can't run against them. So I think the Giants are in pretty good shape in that they have Leonard Williams in a good defensive line that you can't run against. So you see some similarities there. Just add that one pass rusher. One pass rusher. Chiefs have Frank Clark. He didn't play great this year. You think he had six sacks, wasn't his best year, but still a big threat. Giants still need that threat. I think something you realize by the roster construction of these teams, cornerback play, decent quality corners. I don't know if they have great corners, and maybe the, the Bucs probably have the better corners in this game. Uh, they have Dean, Davis, and Bunting. Uh, quality corners, not great. Remember, the Giants teams in the past, you don't. they should know this already. You don't need great corners to win in the NFL. You really don't. Your pass rush is good enough. You can make quarterbacks make mistakes. You can win. So uh, the Giants have what? Bradbury, who's probably played better than Carlton Davis, Dean, or, or Sean Bunting. He's better than any of those guys. I mean, the Chiefs have Rashad Beelan, Rashad Fenton, Lejarius Sneed, Sharkavius Ward. Like, nothing special. James Bradbury's probably played better than all those guys this year. So they just need some more fill-in guys. Decent players that you could throw out there that you need a second quarter. Just a decent guy out there. Uh, 
you know, Darnay Holmes is a slot. He could probably grow into a decent player. I, I, I see that. I could, I could see that. I think so. Just added some more decent players at cornerback. Safeties. Both these teams have strong safety trios, real or tandems at least. Jordan Whitehead, uh, Antoine Winfield, uh, Tyron Matthew for the Chiefs, Juan Thornhill, Daniel Sorensen for the the Chiefs. So that's their trio. So the Giants. That's their strength of their defense too. One of them, right? McKinney, Logan Ryan, and Jabril Peppers. So they're good there. I think that's key. So here's what the Giants have defensively. If they re-sign Leonard Williams, which I think they probably will, they'll have a pretty good interior, a dominant slash dominant interior pass rusher, right? Like the Chiefs have. They'll have the three safeties in McKinney, Logan Ryan, and Peppers. They have the one cornerback that even these teams don't have that you could be successful. Now, linebackers, these teams have pretty good linebackers. At least, you know what? I shouldn't say that. One team has really good linebackers. One team has below average linebackers. The Chiefs linebackers are nothing to speak speak of, really. Uh, and the Bucks have really good linebackers in Levante, David, and Devin White. A lot of speed there. So that's probably why they're the better defense here. That that is that's a big reason they're a significantly better defense here. They have the edge rushers and the speedy linebackers. And they actually have a really talented team. They're pretty solid at every spot. If you look at their roster. They have the better roster in the Super Bowl. And this is the bottom line, what it all comes down to. They have the better overall roster in the Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind. From top to bottom, Bucks roster, better than the Chiefs. But the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And he's better than anybody else. So he makes that offense so good and so much better. So that's really where you have to start. The Giants need their quarterback to blossom into a star. Not a, just a good player. Because I always say this, the worst thing in the world is to have a mediocre quarterback. They need Daniel Jones to blossom. They need an edge rusher, improve the offensive line, and add weapons. Those are the top, top priorities for the Giants this offseason. So a lot of work to do. It might not even be possible to do all that in one offseason, to be honest with you. That's why I think this team, realistically, two years away from even wanting to be a serious competitor. Still another season away. So by year five of the Dave Gettleman rebuild, they might be close. And with that, we'll get to your questions. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, yes. It's my favorite part of this podcast. The part where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. Question number one. We got a 10-pack today. We're going to really go deep. We got Mike V. Jennings from Twitter says, are they going to really bring back Garrett and his static approach? Across the league, they're making things easy for QBs using lots of motion, play action, and combo routes. Yeah, I mean, I have mentioned this on the previous I mentioned this on the previous episode, and I don't think much has changed, really. Uh, that I do expect, and I don't know about Garrett, I do expect the Giants to make, I don't know for certain about Garrett, I should say. I do expect the Giants to make some changes offensively. And there will be changes to the staff. There will be changes offensively to some of the things they do. I just 
it's not nothing is finalized yet, as far as I know, with Jason Garrett. So to me, that means it's kind of hanging in the balance. Uh, and we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens here. But the Giants know their offense wasn't good, and they need to be changes. There'll be some changes on the staff. I mean, you got, uh, you know, Garrett kind of dangling out there still. You have uh, Derek Dooley, who's an offensive assistant. I heard is interviewing elsewhere. You have um, Anthony Blevins, who took, who was assistant DB coach. He took two interviews. Uh, to be a special teams coach, both with Minnesota and Detroit. Detroit already hired somebody, so that's not going to happen there. But good young coach, he has a chance to get a, a you know promotion and a lead his own group. So this staff will be changed. Uh, Brett Bielbaum, remember, didn't return, so I think that's a role that they'd like to fill. So there are some moves that are going to be made with this coaching staff. Jason Garrett still could be one. Still could be one. We'll see what happens over the next week or two. Let's see how this plays out uh next question number two at timmy joiner asks i know you need to go talk to your sources scouts or insiders about the draft prospects before you can really get any kind of direction where this team might lean interesting class because i a lot of players opted out not a full season on tape some big qb class uh what's the positions you see them looking at at 11 and is it possible for the giants fans to be let down with another non-splashy pick uh yeah there is always that possibility i mean Improving the lines, is, I mean, first of all, let's just hope. I'm not, by lines, I'm I'm not really meaning a defensive lineman, interior guy like that. If they draft like a nose tackle, you know, yeah, you have all right to be pissed off as, as much as possible. But I do think, in general, and look, if you think about it, some of the Giants' biggest needs still need a tackle, right tackle. We don't know about tackle. That's a spot that could be filled. Wide receiver, a spot they've drafted in the past really high. Could be filled. Um, what else are we talking? Edge rusher. Spot that is considered a premium position. Huge need. Could be filled. Cornerback even. Uh, could be filled. Huge need. Still an- another cornerback position. So these are all spots. I mean, even tight end. Uh, we talked about it before. Weapon. Uh, Pitts is a name that's being projected to the Giants a lot. So, you know, I, I think these are all on board because A, they fall into the line of premium positions and decent positions in this draft. Edge rusher is tough. That might be the toughest one for me to envision. This isn't a great edge rusher draft, at least the early indications from what I can tell. So that makes it tough. So we'll, we'll see. But I think those are positions that are likely for the Giants to go in that direction because you're talking about the best player at the position of needs is that's how most teams operate. It's not always strictly best player available. That's bogus. No, everyone who says that, that's BS. Because you, you have Russell Wilson, you're not drafting a quarterback if you think the quarterback's the best player. You're just not. Next question from Twitter. At CT Gindrink says, if a 22-year-old Lawrence Taylor was coming out in this year's draft, given the state of the NFL today, where does he get drafted? Top five pick? A silly question, but you did say anything goes. Yeah. I do. I, I I take all consider all questions into consideration. Now, actually, I don't think this is that silly. You know, one thing has not changed about the NFL: creating pressure and pressure off the edge is a priority. It's been a priority now since Lawrence Taylor came out. What forty years ago, for God's sakes, almost. And now it's the same thing. So because Lawrence Taylor plays such a premium position was such a dominant position and a great prospect. Yeah, he'd be a top five pick. Look, Chase Young just went second. Lawrence Taylor would probably go second in this year's draft if he's coming out. 
Go Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor. And obviously this is, we, we don't know beforehand that he turns out into Lawrence Taylor, which is essentially, you know, arguably the greatest defensive player of all time. So, yeah, number two, no doubt in my mind. Uh, question number four from Mike on Instagram. He says, put your GM hat on. Would you rather sign a big-time wide receiver and draft an edge, and, uh, draft an edge or CB at 11, or sign an edge and draft a wide receiver? And by big-time, I mean big-time wide receiver. I mean Al Robinson or Chris God- Godwin or Galladay. Everyone else that's a free agent or number two at best. Okay, so here's the options. Let's, let's, let's break it down. Sign a big-time wide receiver, draft cornerback or edge. or Sign an edge and draft a big, a wide receiver. Okay. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of big-time wide receivers on the free agent market. There also happens to be, this is a really, really good edge class in free agency. Way better than you get in most years, depending on who becomes a free agent. But like Bud Dupree, if he hits the free agent market, God, that guy is good. Yannick Ngakwe, really, really good player. I mean, Matt Judon, there's, there's a ton of guys this year. Okay? It's rare. And money is, it's going to be a unique year. So I think you have, and this isn't a great edge draft. So I think the way to go is to, and I've kind of flip-flop on this lately, the more I thought about it. I think the way to go is you sign an edge and then you draft a wide receiver. Okay. And then you sign a wide receiver too, but it just won't be number the number ones you want. You just got to add depth to that position. So just add like a quality contributor, you know, a, a veteran guy or whatever who could contribute to that. You draft a top guy, you know, let's say Waddle's there at 11. Because I don't think Chase will be there, and I don't know if Devontae Smith will be there either. Although I will say this about Devontae Smith. I am not, I and I'm probably uh, in the minority on this at this point. I don't see Devonta Smith going as high, like in the top five. I, I just, it's hard for me to see a guy that small going in the top five. It's a risk mitigation business, and that's going to be a big risk this year. Really big. Real, 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 real big. Because we talked about this last week, or I believe a few, sometime in the last few weeks. These receivers that size have not historically turned out great. And he doesn't have Tyreek Hill speed. That's the difference here. So we'll see on that one. So that, that's, that's my preferred route. Sign edge rusher, uh, draft wide receiver. I think that works best with what's available in both the draft and free agency. At uh, Fock. Enum, P-H-A-K-E-N-O-M. I, I don't know how to say that, but I probably screwed it up big time. He asks, who scripts your TikTok masterpieces? You, your daughter, or is it improv? Well, I'm not smart enough to do that completely by improv. Some of it maybe is. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd say we generally both contribute a decent amount, almost equally. I mean, I got to give her creative freedom because that that's kind of what makes it funny. Uh I mean, I might have thrown in a line or two there. I think I threw a line for my wife. Like I told her when uh, she didn't know what to say. She was stuttering on um, who uh, Alvin Kamara was when I showed her his face. So I might have told her to say Little Wayne. That, that might have happened. But in regards to my daughter making fun of me on our last TikTok, um, I will say that she probably took the lead on the creative design of that one. So. You know, kids have a beautiful, wonderfully imaginative mind, and you got to take advantage of that. I like to 
you know, drop ideas and throw ideas at her a bunch uh, because she's good. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, me and my daughter have been TikToking lately. I try to make them football and Giants and, you know, Super Bowl related of some sort. So if you have any ideas, uh, we're looking for some for the Super Bowl. We, we got we got some things in mind, uh, but it's hard to execute these things. A lot of times these things sound better in my mind than they actually are. Then I start do we start doing them and I'm like, this is terrible. So we, we've, we've scrapped a, a bunch of them so far. So question number six, we've got Jeff Schubert. Who are the top candidates to be cut to create additional salary cap space? Okay. Some of the top options to be cut are you start with Golden Tate. That's an easy, obvious one. Uh, Nate Solder, also a clear option. We'll see how that one goes. There's a lot that maybe goes into that one. But th- that's where you're starting, those two guys. That's where like you can, you can get some real money. Um, I don't know. Where else there are the you know the big easy obvious ones unless I'm missing ones I got maybe I, I should pop up uh hold on let me pop up the uh, salary cap form here and we'll see like who's who's basically getting paid money because you know there's there'll be other guys a million here a million there but Kevin Zeitler I guess is in consideration uh, I don't know if they'd want to do that just yet unless they're really money strapped I don't see the Giants being totally money strapped either so um. Those are really the three. Maybe Levine Tui Lolo is an option. Uh, I know people might say get rid of Evan Ingram. I don't see that being a good quality financial option. It's not like he's making a ton of money and he does have skills and can produce. So it, you really got those three guys. It's Golden Tate, Nate Solder, and Kevin Zeitler being the big money ones. So you start there and then you work around those guys and you devise a plan. So. Uh, question number seven comes from Elijah Mendez, the prophet XT. Yes. Hey, Jordan, about to start my very own podcast discussing New York sports and other topics such as music and fashion. Do you have any advice for a young aspiring podcaster? Uh, yeah. You know what I'll say to that is just keep trying different things. I mean, I've tried different things on this podcast and I know a bunch of them have flopped. Uh, I've tried to do interviews in certain ways. The quality was crappy. And you live and learn, man. So you take it as a learning opportunity. My, my dad always uses the expression, experience is failure. And it's kind of true in regards to when you don't, when you do something and it doesn't come out right, and you do it wrong and you don't have success, you learn from it, you move on. Now, that's exactly what it is to gain experience. You rarely gain experience just by going and being successful and, and crushing it the first time. Like that, 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 like, I guess you gain experience that way, but it usually that's not the way the world works. So try different things, be yourself and be unique and, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That'll be, and, uh, that applies for this podcast as well. I try and do that and I take all feedback possible and you should do that as well. Take all feedback possible, positive and negative. I'm all for people sending negative feedback. I could then decide whether I think it's, it's, valid or not, and what I could do to fix it. And if I don't, then it's on me. There's nobody to blame but myself that this podcast is not growing and not getting better. So question number eight comes from Facebook. Uh, Thomas Buckley, he sent me a couple scenarios. I picked one of them. Here it is. He says, trade Evan Ingram, potentially paired with lower draft pick, to gain a new pick or improve a draft pick in 2021. For, For instance, 
Ingram and the Giants' second-round pick to Arizona for their pick number 16. Arizona needs a tight end. Ingram and the Giants. Ingram and the Giants' third-round pick to Jacksonville for pick 33. They need a tight end, and they already have another second-round pick. His question stems from the belief that a player after four years in the league has roughly become what they become, and for Ingram, it includes leading the league in drops by tight ends and really weak blocking. Luckily for the Giants, he was somehow elected to the Pro Bowl, so that can help him move, which I don't really think is true, by the way. I, don't, I think teams watch film. They, they're not exactly overly impressed by the Pro Bowl. They, they're going to see the drops and all the warts in his game, so I'm not sure it helps that much. It's more public perception thing. And I'm guessing, this is the rest of his question, I'm guessing they can't fetch better than a third-round pick for Ingram without pairing him with another draft pick. So pairing him with another draft pick really makes it more attractive to get something in return. Uh, yeah, you know what? That is definitely an, an idea and an option. But I will tell you this. Where are you getting a better pass-catching option at tight end? Because we just talked about all the weapons the Giants need. You better be getting the you know Kyle Pitts or whatever. That's the Florida tight end, if I think I got his name right. Kyle? The new Pitts. Seen him play. Beast. Jumps over guys. Also, risky proposition. Not sure I'm totally into it. Tight ends haven't fared awfully well. Uh, the transition from tight end in the NFL to the pros is just not a smooth thing. It's not an easily predictable transition. And look at the history of guys drafted really, really early at tight end or in the first round. It just... Those haven't turned out to be, the most, for the most part, the great tight ends. So you're right. Trading a pick and moving up, I like the idea. I do look at it and say, can we fill that spot? And if not, then we have to get really much stronger around them. So you want to get rid of Evan Ingram? Take some of that money, I believe, I don't know, $6 million or so, and put it towards the wide receiver that you're going to sign in addition to what you already have slotted for him? Okay, I could buy that. And then drafting a mid-round tight end? to play okay yeah i'm all for that but you're gonna need a real pass catching option at tight end i think that's that's actually a really good way in this league to be successful is have a tight end that turns out to be your number one receiver the much harder part is finding that tight end who turns out to be your number one receiver question number nine at Giants Vidal ten twenty seven from Twitter, if you had to put a percentage on it, what are the chances the Giants re-sign Leonard Williams? I'm going to put it at seventy eight percent, so pretty high. I mean, the Giants can't afford to let their best pass rusher walk. What's the Giants' biggest problem on defense? Lack of pass rush. How could you then let your best pass rusher walk? Now, granted, they put themselves in a, a tough spot financially because of the way the trade went down, the franchise tag. Yeah, and I know, so it's going to be super expensive. But I can't see this team being able to afford to let really good players go, and that's what Leonard Williams was this year. Now, I'd be a little little hesitant to want to sign him and, ex- and just put so much money into that position into him because he hasn't been great most of his career. He's been a quality player, but he hasn't been a great player for most of his career. So if you pay him great player money, you need him to be great and be great every year and every time he gets on the field. I'm not sure you get that. but. This year you got it, so they're in a tough spot. I still think it's more likely than not, way more likely than not, that Leonard Williams ends up back, and he does want to be back as well. So that helps the situation. Last one comes from Curtis Taylor, Curtis D0101. Is a non-spherically symmetric gravitational pull from outside the observable universe responsible for some of the observed motion of large objects such as galactic clusters in the universe? 
All right, I'm not a very smart person. A lot of you who listen to this podcast, you know that. And I did open the door and say, throw any question you want my way. And I'm just proving a point that I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to read it. And I'm willing to even put it on the show, even though I don't even think that makes sense. And if it does, maybe it does. Who the heck knows? I wouldn't know. I'm Like I said, I'm nowhere near smart enough. But point proven, I am willing to put, I shouldn't say anything on the air here because I do have bosses. I do have limitations, but I will read it. So if you send me a question, I will put it up for consideration. That I will say. So Curtis, see that? You thought I was just going to take that, laugh maybe, throw it in the trash, and ignore it. No, I read it, put it on this podcast episode, and wrapped up Giants After Dark with that. And on, and after that, on to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'll give you a little quick Jordan on a beat where I tell you what it's like to cover the NFL, cover the Giants, work for ESPN, and it being Super Bowl week, I'll give you a little taste of what it's normally like to cover the Super Bowl. And I say normally, and I stress the word normally because this is not a normal year, remember? So the Super Bowl parties, everybody going down, Radio Row, all the people, the players pitching products. That That's not going to happen this year. Even the teams aren't going down to the last minute. Now, I'm not covering the Super Bowl. I haven't covered the last few Super Bowls. Uh, at ESPN, we have so many people, right? National, local. We have somebody covering every team, people in the home cities usually, that it's not part of my job and part of my assignment to go cover the Super Bowl. Now, if the Giants ever made it, that'd be a different story. Then I'd be going to the Super Bowl. I'm damn happy about it, too. Because when you're talking about it with a good assignment, if you're a young pup reporter or someone in the media business and you say, you know, I hope to one day cover a Super Bowl. Yeah, you do. Because it's a good week. Uh, you're talking about parties all week. In addition, obviously, you're working and you're working your butt off. But at night, there's parties. The nightlife is great. Tropical client, uh, climate. You're seeing, you're watching the best game of the year. I mean, the one that pops to my head uh, when I worked for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. I probably went to four or five straight Super Bowls. Uh, you know, would write a story during the day, be done about six o'clock, go have a nice dinner, go to Super Bowl parties throughout the week because 
That's one of the benefits of being in the media. They want you to promote stuff. They know these parties, these brands that are holding the parties. So you get free entry to a lot of these places. Free uh, drinks come along with it. Everyone's having a good time. You're, you're mingling with all kinds of people throughout the football world. Uh, celebrities are popping up all around that week. I mean, it's a damn good assignment. If you ever hear anybody say, oh, I got to go work the Super Bowl week, give them a nice little slap. Okay? Like, come on. Get it together. You know, you're going to cover the Super Bowl. That's a pretty damn good week. Go enjoy it. I don't want to hear any complaining about covering the Super Bowl. You never hear me complaining about covering the Super Bowl. My Usually, that coincided right around my birthday. So maybe like uh, when I was in San Francisco, I stayed a couple days, enjoyed my birthday, played a nice round of golf uh, for my birthday, you know, the day after the Super Bowl. That, that was nice. That Seattle Super Bowl was amazing, the one around the uh, – Seattle, uh, New England, Malcolm Butler interception when Seattle forgot to run the ball. That was a great game to be at. So I was at like four or five of them. Arizona, one of them was at. One of them was in San Francisco. I believe I was at one in Houston. A bunch of other places. I got to jog the memory on that, but I'm not, I, I, I don't even remember. But I was at like four or five, and man, the good life for sure. And, you know, your work pays for your, you know, flying and travel and hotel and, Get usually get a certain amount for meals at least. So good times, good times. Definitely would like to get back to that. Maybe at some point in my professional career, the Giants will actually make the Super Bowl, or I'll be climbing up the ESPN ladder where they want. They need me down there, you know, to cover the Super Bowl. So uh, things we look forward to in the non-COVID environment future. There we go, and that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always. Keep providing your feedback and questions. I'm going to try to do this, you know, probably like once a month now, at least, where I do where this episode of Breaking Big Blue is me just answering your questions. I'll also try and do some lives maybe on Instagram or uh, is it still Periscope on Twitter? If it's Periscope or whatever the heck they call it these days, I'll do a live on Twitter and answer your questions. Feel free to provide feedback anytime. Subscribe. Rate this podcast. Tell your friends. Look, we got to grow it. Tell me also interviews. Who do you want to hear from in the offseason? I promised you, Pat Leonard, we're going to have an entertaining one there. I got a whole bunch of uh, players and ex-players, too, that I've been talking to about getting on the show. Uh, so we'll, we'll have some good content for you in the offseason. We'll have a free agent episode coming up also. I think that'll be important. And obviously, a lot around the draft. So that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.